All right now, for all you boppers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request for Midnight Movie Confessionals. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a movie for them in mind. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. I'm doing a bit of a special one, because, well, as I'm recording this, I've been put into a, isolation, a, self-isol- a self-made isolation because of this COVID-19, human malware, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, this outbreak that is out there, spreading its misery around the world, where it's actually... Another version of severe acute respiratory syndrome known as SARS. I'm not going to dig deep on that because that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about movies. And I got a real special for y'all. I uh, just recently watched The Wall Years. A 1979 film directed by Walter Hill starring Michael Beck, Deborah Van Walkenberg, Dorsey Wright, David Patrick Kelly, and a few others. Let's take a look at what they, who are, who's in the movie exactly, because I cannot remember right now off the top of my head. I just remember, okay, it was, we had, okay, yes, we had Michael Beck as well, in heck, Marcelino Sanchez, David Harris, Tom McKitchen, Tom McKitterick. Brian Tyler, no, not the composer. Terry Michos, Roger Hill, Lynn Thigpen, Paul Greco, Tom G. Waits, and last but not least, a familiar face to many people that may know his name. You may not, but you may recognize his voice. James Remar. And this is based on the the book by Sol Yurik. It doesn't really have a lot to. It was based on the story of Anabasis, but more or less, it's basically this whole movie is set on the novel of the same name, which was in turn based on the book Anabasis by Xenophon, Xenophon, or however his name is spelt, one of the legendary Greek mythos writers, I guess. Xenophon of Athens, basically a soldier and historian, amongst other things. But more or less, it's based on the book and everything else. But basically, the plot goes, the leader of the Gramercy Gramercy Rifts, Cyrus, is amassing a huge meeting of all the main gangs that are under the Rifts, his gang that he owns, network. So anyone that is big enough to be on the network is being invited to this conclave of swords in the Bronx in Van Cortlandt Park. There's a multitude of gangs that are mentioned in the, in the movie at the beginning, which he even mentions, like we got, and some of them are, are rival gangs towards each other, like we have the Saracens and the Jones Street Boys, we've got the Moonrunners and the Van Cortlandt Rangers, like there's a few that are mentioned, those are a few that are mentioned in the beginning. But more or less, they're like the warriors are invited, and it starts with um, 
it pretty much starts with a bit of a piano-based riff of sorts, where it's where you see the Coney Island Wonder Wheel in the in the far back, and it's completely pitch black. You don't see anything until you see a subway train, and this is where the story, the movie, kind of begins with Cleon, played by Dorsey Wright, talking to like, talking to the gang. He's brought. He has nine people that are, are going. Uh, eight other people that are going with him. And he more or less says, the meeting's happening, we're going, Cyrus sent someone to make sure this afternoon, he's telling us we don't, he doesn't want anyone packed, doesn't want anyone flexing any muscle, like beating up anyone, and he says that the Warriors are going to hold the truce, which is that, no guns, no weapons of any sort, knife, brick, stick, shank, whatever it is, nothing, can't bring anything with you, gotta be like, unarmed just to hear what he wants to discuss and more or less it's a journey toward like and then he has some of the warriors like saying hey we haven't been out this way before they're a little worried they don't know what's going on exactly it's a bit of exposition that's going on as well that's going on before they actually make it to the big meeting itself with some other gangs you kind of meet in between you don't really know some of them but in the video game that came out, which I'll talk to, I'll talk in the podcast about later, there are some gangs that are mentioned and also talked about as well. But that'll be later on the podcast where I talk about that and the music and my final thoughts. More or less, these uh, gangs are all going up to Van Cortland Park to go to this conclave meeting set by Cyrus. He's asking them to join him in this idea that he has. Of one gang, pretty much, because there's about 60,000 soldiers or so in all of New York City that are all a part of 100-plus gangs, when there's about 20,000 police in the whole town. Basically, they outnumber it 5 to 1. They want to, like, Cyrus has an idea of saying, one gang can run this city, just one. We could tax crime syndicates, the police, because we own the streets, suckers. Can you dig it? Like he's he's being very messianic, I guess you could say. He's trying to be like a messiah. Trying to send a message and he's saying that the problem in the past is this and that. How we've all been just fighting for one square, like like just one square feet of ground or a little piece of turf. He says, if we keep up the general truce, we could take over Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan... The Bronx, Staten Island, heck, we could probably even take over New Jersey. If we could secure our own territory, secure the turf, because it's all our turf. And everyone's just, like, really just getting excited and just, like, thinking the idea is great. I want to do this. And then there's one gang known as the Rogues, who are not really a rival gang of sorts, but they're a bit of troublemakers, you could say. You don't get to really be introduced to them properly, but... More or less, there's a deleted scene in the beginning of the movie that gets introduced to everyone's coming to the the whole like uh, st- like whole conclave for the warriors. That would be the nine people in general. That would be Swan, the war like played by Michael Beck, who's the war chief and lieutenant, who becomes the new warlord. Ajax, the quick-tempered main enforcer. Rembrandt, who's their graffiti artist, a soldier and graffiti artist. Cochise, who's a bit of a 
He's not really a loud mouth, but he's a bit of a he's a bit of a talker sometimes. We also have Cowboy, who's just a. Like the reason why he's named that is he's always wearing a Stetson cowboy hat. We have uh, Snow, who's the music man. Pretty much knows everything in every like, for the music, more or less. He keeps it in tune. It becomes a new lieutenant when something happens. We have Cleon, the warlord and co-founder of the whole warriors, as well as his uh, co-founder Vermin. And one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We also have who else? We have. We have Vermin, Cleon, Snow, Cowboy, Cochise, Snow. We have Swan, Ajax, Rembrandt, Cochise, Cowboy, Snow, Cleon, and Vermin. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So I guess we have eight or nine or so delegates. Oh yeah, Fox is another one I forgot about. That's the other one I was trying to think of as well. I couldn't think of it the last one. He's the scout. He's the warrior scout. And, um, more or less, when we get introduced to them, they're kind of, like, just talking about expeditional stuff, like, we haven't been there, this and that. Ajax wants to, uh, pretty much nail any broad he can get his hands on. Rembrandt's just kind of keeping himself out of sight, more or less, all this and that. But after one of the rogues, the leader of it, Luther, shoots Cyrus... I guess the cops have been slowly but surely coming around to kind of keep discreet, but when they know something's going to happen, because there's a bunch of gags, they are planning to arrest, more or less if they can. So when the lights go on, the light, the cops come around because everyone's panicking. Cleon decides to tell everyone to go against the crowd, keep your heads down. He goes to look to see what happened exactly, why... why what happened exactly to investigate. And then Luther, the rogue leader, decides to blame the warriors, saying, He's! That's him! He's the warrior! He shot Cyrus! And they keep on, like, blaming the warriors, all this and that. And... What happens is that he gets into a fight with some of the rogues, and then the Grammarcy Rifts turn on Cleon, who's flexing muscle and decides to kill him. We don't know if he actually killed him or not. While the rest of the warriors are actually escaping into a graveyard. They, they get away from the cops and whatnot. They're hiding in there. Swan tells Rembrandt to go take a look to see if he can... See if we're okay after... Fox says, like, Cleon's missing... They make sure that everyone's okay. He's the only one that's missing. Swan orders Rembrandt to kind of sky ahead a little bit instead of Fox, but he's one of the youngest, so it's fine. It's not a big deal. He's just doing that. And Swan decides to say, we're going to go back to Coney Island, where they're originally from. Berman kind of has a bit of a... He's a bit of a doubter in the sense, because he's like saying, how do you think we're going to do that? Coney Island must be 50 to 100 miles from here, and... Cochise and Swan even mentioned all the cops want to bust our heads, but we also got to think about the, the truce if it's still on. Vermin even says if we if it doesn't, we got to bop our way back. 
we gotta we gotta fight and Ajax in the meantime is kind of getting a little distrustful because he's like who named you leader Swan and uh Vermin says hey it was Cleon's choice he's war chief they don't know what's going on they he wants to become the warlord the war chief himself they're like no calm down let's just go let's stick together and Swan does give a bit of a memorable a bit of information if anything happens to them if they get separated or whatever they get lost any of them get lost in between they got to make it back to the platform at Union Square. They don't exactly say which platform, but they say make it to Union Square. Square that's where we're going to change trains. So they do that. They start to get out of there. Rembrandt marks a spot on a tombstone. Then the Rifts leader back at Gramercy Park with all the Rifts asks, "Who are the Warriors? We didn't, we need to know who the hell the Warriors are. I want them all. I want them alive if possible, if not wasted, but I want them." And they send the word to the radio DJ, who's more or less the narrator in this movie, more or less. She kind of says everything that's going on. She's kind of rooting for the Warriors a little bit, but not really. Like, she says, how I kind of started the podcast all right now. For all you boppers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked a request from the Gramercy Rips. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind. And then she plays one of my favorite songs from this soundtrack, which is Nowhere to Run by Arnold McCuller, which was, I think, covered by a couple of people. I could honestly backtrack that later. But more or less, they've escaped. They decided to... Uh, hide like just like trying to escape everything and everyone escape the cops and now you kind of see a bit of a montage of uh cops other gangs just getting ready to find these warriors and either waste them or just destroy the hell out of them so they can claim a reward or what have you we don't know they're all hunting the warriors right now and what happens is that Luther checks in saying that Cyrus had an accident, that uh, someone's going to pick their asses up, the riffs out the word, they want him alive, we don't, and they say they're going to go do some searching themselves. Meanwhile, when that happens, we find out that uh, the Warriors run into the Turnbull ACs of Gunhill, the Gunhill Pelham area, and they're one of the most toughest mothers of all, like, of the Bronx, apparently. Like, they're one of the toughest guys out there in New York City. And, uh, more or less, they have a big boss of all their crew just going just crazy. And, more or less... An idea is that they just start, like, uh, they go after, they chase the warriors down, they head to the subway station where they get in, they escape, they're more or less saying we made it somewhat, Swan's a little bit of a (coughs) skeptical person, saying, no, we haven't made it yet, once we get to actual Coney Island, that's when I could say we've made it and we could celebrate a little bit. Meanwhile... The Rifts have, like, Rifts second in command, now leader Masai, who said, I want the word sent out about the Warriors. Gotta get updates about 
what just happened. Like, the Turnbull ACs blew their chance at getting the Warriors themselves. And by the time they make it onto the train they head towards Tremont, where a minor league team known as the Orphans decides to uh, say, hey, come as civilians, or if you don't, I'm going to come down on you. You hear me? Take off your colors. I don't care. You're coming. You're taking off your colors now. I don't care. We weren't at the party, but we want you want we want you to fucking take off your colors. You hear me, Swan? After they get out of there, out of the subway station and whatnot, says "fuck you, man." And then you start to just march right through. And um, more or less, as they start to walk through, Mercy, the orphans' leader, is like little like. Uh, I don't know what to describe her. I guess his girlfriend, who's played very well, mind you, by Deborah Ben Walkenberg. Falkenberg. I don't know why I said Walkenberg. I meant to say Valkenberg. But she's amazing, if I'm honest. I think she's, um... I think she might be Dutch-American, but I don't really know. I'm not gonna go into details about that. But then Ajax noticed that she's stalking them, decides to say maybe we should pull a gang on you. Like they kind of jump her more or less, and then they find that the orphans have actually shown up to try and beat their asses with all the like with a whole gangload of them because they apparently armied right through. Well, technically they didn't. They just got dumped by the train because. Of a station fire. That's it. They can't really fix that. What can they do? What could you do if you're in that sort of situation? You can't do anything. Like, just basically just the whole bullshit of it all is like... Basically, they, like, uh... The gang, the warriors make a Molotov cocktail, launch it towards a car near the orphans. They chase... Uh, they run off to the next station where they go. They get... S- Split up by nice the 96th Avenue station, 96th Street station. Some find themselves in the middle of uh, like 96 and Broadway in Manhattan. They get chased by the police. Some of them get separated. Like three of them find like uh, three of the crew find themselves heading to Cochise, like uh, Union Square. That'd be Vermin, Cochise, and Rembrandt. Fox struggling with a police officer. Gets fall like uh falls into a tr- the tracks and gets run over by the c- train, while Mercy escapes. And the main the remaining th- warriors Swan, Eject, Snow, and Cowboy are in the middle of Riverside, and they find out that they're surrounded by one of the toughest crews in the game. Well, not in the game, in the in the movie, the Baseball Furies. They're basically I don't know what to describe them as to you folks that are probably listening in. But more or less, they're a type of, uh, I guess they're real crazy fans of baseball because they swing bats as well. And like, I guess they might be like amateur ball players. And, uh, I don't know what's really like, uh, important about them, but I just know that's, that's what they kind of do. While they get chased by the Furies, they chase them all the way down to Riverside Park, where Snow and 
Swan split up. Ajax and Cowboy are running as well. Then they, um, one like a uh, Cowboy saying, "I can't make it." Ajax is confirming, "Are you sure you can't make it?" And then he's like, "Good, I'm sick of running from these wimps." And then they start to have a bit of a fist fight of sorts. These four, like uh, Cowboy, sadly gets knocked out for the re- most of the fight. He's kind of out for it. Ajax finds himself beating up one Fury. He's like, "Oh!" In the next, he finds, uh, he's like, "I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle." And then it becomes this weird synthesizer-heavy sort of music before Ajax decides to just like say, "Bam, bam, bam!" Knock him out. He's like, "Fucking a!" Grabs his bat. Notice he's around. He's surrounded by a gang of other dudes. Cowboy, well, Swan and Snow actually make it back and actually help uh, Ajax defeat them all. They get they recuperate Cowboy, who's just not really out cold, but he's just kind of out of it for most of the fight. They pick him up, and he's like, yeah, I figured they were wimps, Ajax says. Masai finds out that uh, the Furies blew it through the radio DJ and also found out that the minor league team, the Orphans, who aren't on the network, who rumble anyways and have the raids written about in the paper, failed too. And the radio DJ is actually kind of rooting for them. They're saying they're almost on the way home. But, uh, when they get back, when they're heading back towards the station, Ajax finds some girl he wants to link up with. He decides to do it himself. No one wants to join him, doesn't want to wait up for him or whatever. She decides to, uh, find him, like, uh, claim that she's an undercover cop, use the rape whistle, and he gets arrested. And, uh, more or less... He gets arrested. We don't know what happens to him after that. All we know is that Swan, like Snow and Cowboy, felt a little bit like a little shameful that they kind of just left him. I was like, he saved my ass. I owe him. I'll go back and see if he's really okay. Like checking on him. Swan says, "Okay, I'll keep looking for the others." They seem to like. Uh, they see he gets arrested. Swan decides to head back to the station, finds Mercy. They start walking out, like, uh, after they find a cop, they just disable him, run into the train tracks, into an area where they make out and whatnot. She decides to just, he decides to kind of get a little pissy and just say, I wish you just went back to Tremont. I don't want you around me. You're You're a part of everything that's gone on tonight and it's all bad. And, uh, he just doesn't want to be around her. Which kind of sucks for her. They find themselves, like, uh, Rembrandt, Cowboy, and Kochis find themselves at Union Square. And they find a bit of a nice group of girls who decide to, uh, who are also another gang. The Lizzies. They're basically in this movie and the game as well. They're a group, they're basically a gang of girls, like, it's the girl, all-girl gang, who are all pretty much like, fuck you, I don't, I don't give a fuck, we're gonna, like, fuck around with you and mess you up pretty good. They decide to take the warriors out to their place, and they kind of say, I like this little town, what clique is this? We're the, like, they're like, we're the Lizzie's. 
And they kind of seem to be, I don't want to say they're lesbians. I don't know if they're gay. I don't know. We, I, we, me as a viewer and the rest of you probably don't know because it's the 1970s, like when it was released. And technically this is set in the future. For all we know, this could be a real thing that is all okay. We don't know. We don't know. All I know is that it has the fact that um, it has that be the case, and more or less they say, "Oh, you're the famous warriors, the guys who shot Cyrus." Rembrandt notices this and is like, "Shit, the chicks are packed. The chicks are packed." They kind of fight them, and then they get the hell out of there, and then they and then when they're tending to Rembrandt's wound. Because he got uh, cut, apparently. He says, you know, they think we shot Cyrus. I think Snow, no, Cochise or Rembrandt, no, Cochise or Roman are like, what are you talking about? I don't get it. They think we shot Cyrus. Every gang in the city must be looking for us. They realize this and it's like, holy shit. I don't think we're going to make it back, guys. He's like, we'll make it. We'll make it. Like, Cochise is trying to be more positive. And he's like saying, you know what? Let's go tell the rest of the guys about this. Meanwhile, when uh, Snow is on his way... No, not Snow. Swan is on his way back from Riverside Park alone. He finds himself being followed by some guy on skates. We don't know who this guy is at all. We just know he's probably another gang or gang member or whatever. That could be part of another gang that wants to be up the Warriors. And Mercy kind of says, hey, you see that guy over there? He's been tailing you. And like this is after everyone kind of gets together. We uh, say, like, uh, Snow and Cowboy say, Cops got Ajax. We don't know about Swan. He informs the crew that Fox is gone as well. They say, yeah, Ajax is arrested. We don't know what's going on. We still don't know what happened to Cleon exactly. He could be dead. We don't know. But uh, more or less... This is going on. Mercy comes in as well and says, Hey, you see that guy over there with those other dudes? They're following you. It's like, I know they're on my ass. Now he knows I know it. And now they decide to more or less stake a fight in the bathroom. Where they defeat the crew known as the Punks. Which I didn't know what their name was at all. Either until later on when I saw the end credits and played the game. But again, I'm going to talk about the game after this is like after this part of the review. But uh, they defeat him. It looks like they're on their way home. Finally, they realize that Cyrus had a plan that was kind of crappy. It wasn't really that like it wasn't really real. He says it's all out there. Like I think Coaches is like Cyrus was right about one thing. It's all out there. All we got to do is find out a way to go steal it. Sounds and then Snow is kind of saying, "Yeah, that sounds great, but we got to know what's worth stealing." More or less, Masai finds out about, like, sees one of the rifts talk to him and give him a report. And he's like, what about our patrols? So far, there's nothing. But we have something, we have someone you want to talk to. He says he saw the person that shot Cyrus. And then this is where it really gets intense because of the fact that, one, we, we the audience, know. But the rifts and the warriors don't know who shot Cyrus. Not until the end, more or less. Like, we kind of know that they know who did it, but they just don't really realize until it's over. 
more or less. What happens is that the rogues who've been following them the entire time said, like, in between, they said they, uh, they bopped their way through a minor league team, all this and that. They find themselves back at Coney Island, where they're safe. Swan kind of laments and says, this is what we worked all night to get back to. Maybe I should just take off. I don't belong here. Like, it just feels like he wants to quit, which is kind of reasonable. Not everyone wants to be a part of a gang after a while. But they decide to leave. They see the rogues have been following them, too. They go to an area underneath the docks. This is where the famous part of the movie kind of gets gets to be seen. The bottle clinking from David Patrick Kelly, who's Luther, the leader of the rogues. He's like, Warriors, come out to play. That whole thing comes out here. Everyone's packed. Mercy's got a beer ball. Some of the guys got sticks from crates. Swan's got a knife. One of the other guys got, has a lead pipe. They're about to head over to the beach where they kind of say, when we see the ocean, we figure we're home. We're safe. And this is what Swan is kind of saying. He's kind of lamenting because he feels like he might be at his end. And Luther kind of says, the reason why I killed Cyrus was for no reason at all. I just like doing things like that. Swan says, let's do it, me and you. One-on-one, you're crazy. And you did, you know it. And he decides to quick draw his knife right into Luther's arm. And he just is in pain. He's crying. He's whatever. The rifts come out of nowhere. And uh, Masai is say, like, says, we found who we're looking for. After Swan asks, he's still looking for us? And he says, you warriors are good. Real good. After Luther saying, it wasn't us, it was them, the warriors. They decide to let the warriors leave. And they punish the rogues off screen. You hear Luther kind of screaming, no! And then the DJ kind of ends in a good way. Good news, boppers. The big alert has been called off. It seems that the early reports were wrong. All wrong. For that uh, gang out there that had a hard time heading home, sorry about that. I guess the only thing we could do for you is play you a song. Or something like that. Sorry, I don't remember the last lines, but I just remember the song In the City by Joe Walsh starts playing and... You kind of see the rest of the crew just walking off into the sunset, more or less. And, um, well, that's how it the movie ends, kind of. And if you're watching the Ultimate Director's Cut or the iTunes version, whichever version you have that's currently up to date, that's in HD or whatever it could be, or in 4K if it has that, you'll see a lot of this movie kind of become book-mixed, like kind of made up to look like a comic book, which... I like the most because I know on the Ultimate Director's Cut on DVD, it was like that. I don't know about the Blu-ray or the IT or the digital copy or anything like that. I know it's like that, and I like that. That was cool. That was a nice intro. That was a nice way that Walter Hill kind of edited his one of his greatest movies. But enough about that. What am I going to give this movie overall for a score? It's one of my favorites. I know it recently had its 40th anniversary last year. And I didn't really have a chance to do the podcast on it because, well, it was a little too late for me to do so. 
And I thought I'd do a bit of a retrospective on it. I know this movie originally didn't do shoe. I don't know if it did very well at the box office. Oh, it, it did okay. I mean, it had a $4 million budget, but it made 22.5 at the box office. So I guess it did okay, I guess. But overall, there was a lot of violence at the screenings, it seemed. And just a lot of things happened. I just know it's kind of taken... Like, it, it's become a cult classic as of late. It hasn't been, like, the biggest thing of all time. But it's a, it's kind of become, overall, something that film critics have re-examined. And now, as of the 27th, like, December 1st, 2017, it's garden an 89% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't care about. I just know it's been around quite a couple of times. I know that the soundtrack was done mostly by the soundtrack. That's what I really want to talk about. That's also one of the biggest things of the like movie, if I'm honest. Because most of the original music itself is performed and written by Barry DeVorzon, who... He's still around. Okay, good. But he did most of the original music. He helped write some of the songs as well. There's songs by Arnold McCullough, like I mentioned. Mandrill is another. Joe Walsh is on there, like I mentioned. Desmond Child is on there. But a lot of the original music itself was done by Barry DeVorzon. And later on, the game, actually, the video game, based on the movie, made by Rockstar Games in near in Toronto, and published by the New York City version, came out on the PlayStation 2 and Xbox on in 2005, a little bit after the 25th anniversary of the game. And it was also available for the PlayStation Portable on the in 2007, and didn't seem to be able to be found it was basically based on the same it was based on the game well it was based on the movie but this one was um more or less the way it was done was it was set three months before the events of the movie itself and there was a lot of other things that go on as well a lot of the actors from the film itself reprised their roles to perform the voices for the original characters it's mostly there's a lot of the games are you could say there's there's six bonus missions that are set up as flashbacks how they set up like how each member like how the warriors were formed how each like main member of the gang joined this and that but mostly it's set three months before the original movie is done and more or less it just starts out like that it has a lot like they get their reputation increase how they get to the actual event this and that but there's a lot of other things that happen too with the game as well like there's a lot of other stuff that uh came about and um what happened i remember there was a lot of development and whatnot but i remember the game was a bit of an open world beat-em-up like you can kind of explore all coney island that you're given after a couple of missions. You can explore it. You can do side missions. This and that. A lot of the original characters. Voices. Except for a few. Came back. 
because I know Marcelino Sanchez couldn't because he passed away in 1986, sadly. I don't think... Uh, did David Harris come back? I don't know. I'll take a look. Yes, he came back. I think Michael Beck, James Raymar, Deborah Van Valkenburg, David Harris, McKitterick, Brian Tyler, Dorsey Wright, I, and they all came back as well as David Patrick Kelly. I don't think Terry Michos did. I think the person that did his voice in the game was... Joe Latrulio, I think? Because I know... I, I remember hearing... David Patrick Kelly in the game. Let me take a look quickly. Sorry, guys. I know he was in there. I know he was, so... Huh, maybe he wasn't. I, I remember his voice was in there. Roger Hill didn't come back, sadly. But what are you going to do? Lynn Thigpen couldn't. I don't think she passed away a couple years ago before the game was made. So you had someone else doing it for her, which sucks a little bit. But there was a few other people that showed up that did the voices as well. But a few others did not, sadly. But what can you do? I just know a bunch of the others didn't show up, I guess, for whatever reason or another. I don't know, I'm not going to... I know Fox did show up and did the voice work for... Like, uh, the guy that played Fox did show up to do the game. But, again, the game is set three months before the beginning of the movie. And you kind of get recruited as Rembrandt. You get to do the tutorials as Rembrandt because he's the youngest. He's the last member of the gang. You also get to meet a few other people. You get a meet some of the other gangs, like, you kind of get introduced to the Rogues, the Rifts, the Moonrunners, the Furies, you get introduced to a lot of them, even the Boppers and the Flashback Missions, a few others that aren't really mentioned in the game, in the movie, but they might have been actually real, like, um, the Satan's Mother's Motorcycle Club, the Savage Hans, which we know we see, but they're never really introduced, the Jones Street Boys and the Saracens, the Van Cortland Rangers, you don't really get to be introduced to properly, but they're introduced in a, in a side mission. The Electric Illuminators. A bunch of these groups, even the Panzers, the Hurricanes. There's a bunch of these groups that get introduced in the game, which weren't really introduced in the movie. They, they were there, but they weren't really like introduced properly. Like You may have saw them in the montage or whatever it could have been during the beginning of the... Like, during the movie. But again, it, I would say the game itself... As well as the soundtrack by Barry Devorzon. It is amazing. Best part about the game, too, is that Barry came back... Well, had some of it, He allowed Rockstar to reuse his music. And I think there was a bunch of other bands that came in and did music for... Well, they didn't even make music for it, but allowed their licensing, like, Fears. I Love Living in the City was in there. There's a few other songs that were in there that weren't originally in the game, like, in the movie itself. But there's some other new ones as well. Like, it's cool to see, like... Some songs that weren't in the movie itself be brought in. And there were some original songs that were in there too, which was nice. Overall, if I was to give this movie any sort of rating out of 10, I don't want to be biased. I don't want to be. I've watched this movie numerous times. I've always loved it. But after reliving it, 
I'm gonna say it's a solid film, but I have to. I don't want to give it a ten out of ten because that's biased. I'm gonna have to give this film a solid eight out of ten. The game, if you play the game first, then watch the movie, or you watch the movie first, then you play the game, you'll get to understand a little bit more. You'll get to see some of these cool characters that you get introduced to, like some of these gangs that you don't really know of, but they're in the movie, you get to get introduced to them. So that helps explore a little bit more, which is nice. But, uh, I don't know. If I was to give the game a rating out of 10... I'd give that a 9. But overall, this game... Like, the whole series, the whole mythos and everything about the Warriors... I'm saying everything in total is getting an 8 out of 10. If you've never seen this movie, I don't blame you. It's not a movie that many people have heard of. It's a cult classic. It's definitely worth the watch if you can get your hands on it. Whether it's on DVD, on Blu-ray, on digital. And if you can get the game itself... I know it's on the PlayStation Portable... The PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. I don't know about any other consoles. I think it might have been like re-released on the PlayStation Network as a PS2 Classic and the Xbox Live Marketplace, but I don't know. But uh, yeah, if you're a fan of cult classic films or anything involving New York City or you just want to watch something different while you're stuck in quarantine, I definitely recommend picking up The Warriors. Be looking good, warriors, all the way back to Coney. You hear me, babies? Good. Real good. Adios. Until we... Until next time, viewers. End transmission.